Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Happy Friday and welcome to the Vince Coakley Radio Program. Good to be back with you. A lot of things to talk about during the course of the broadcast today. Over the next couple of hours, some interesting political maneuverings going on behind the scenes about the situation in Israel, its war with Hamas, pressure from the United States of America, I believe, being exerted upon Israel to move this thing along. Also, we're hearing about some possible tension between the president and the vice president on this issue do they agree we will talk about this coming up also we'll delve into the presidential contest for 2024 more democrats a number of democrats openly opposing joe biden's re-election campaign we've got a short list of some of the big names of people who are kind of unlikely opponents of this current president. Also, we'll talk about the Panthers. Some interesting news going on. Panthers tickets. Hey, I'll bet you can get a great deal on some. <laughs> Which is part of the problem. If they were doing great, you'd have a tough time getting Panthers tickets. We'll talk about this and how... This behind-the-scenes effort to find a new coach is going. We also have Faith Focus Friday, a couple of interesting items. We'll talk about the domesticated Jesus. And some reflections on what really matters, especially in the face of death. We'll address this and much more as we continue our broadcast today. I want to begin with some good news. It's always great to share good news, don't you think? Reuters reporting U.S. retail sales unexpectedly rose in November. The holiday shopping season got off to a brisk start amid deep discounting, likely keeping the economy on a moderate growth path this quarter and further alleviating fears of a recession. Maybe a recession can be staved off here. The rebound in retail sales reported by the Commerce Department underscored consumers' resilience thanks to a strong labor market and cast doubts on financial markets' expectation for a rare cut as early as next March. This is the hope, anyway. We already told you about the Federal Reserve holding interest rates steady, signaling a new economic projection that the historic tightening of monetary policy engineered over the last two years is at an end, and lower borrowing costs are indeed coming in 2024. The chief economist at Nationwide said the resilience of the consumer provides credibility to the Fed, achieving a soft landing, but should also be a signal to markets the Fed is not likely to cut rates as quickly and as much as the markets now have priced in, the stronger economic activity remains, the slower inflation declines, and the slower the Fed responds with rate cuts. So don't get too excited. 
about the possibility of rate cuts being quick and deep because they will probably be neither. (laughs) Just a little reality check. Retail sales increased 0.3% last month after falling 0.2% in October. That is certainly a gain. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in this month, December. In the days leading up to Christmas, will those retail sales continue to be strong? I'm very curious about things in your world. What are you doing this Christmas? Are you going to spend as much? Are you going to spend less? Or are you going to do about the same? What is your forecast for holiday spending? And overall, how has this changed for you as you get older? I've had this conversation, I mean, just a, a number of times with people. And I think for most people, as you get older, this idea of playing this Christmas game, it seems to be less interesting. At least that's what I've picked up. What about your experience? Would love to hear more about that. Delving into the ongoing war, Israel communicating today, the U.S. fully aligned on the mission to destroy Hamas. Despite reports that visiting White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan had pushed Israel to wrap up the most intense fighting in the next few weeks. The Biden administration's preferred timeline happens to coincide with the start of the U.S. presidential election. Boy, isn't that a surprise. The Iowa caucuses for Republicans coming up January 15th. Isn't that amazing? That's exactly a month from today. The first Democratic primary coming up in South Carolina, February 3rd. Israel's government spokesman told reporters the only clock that matters is that every second Hamas exists, the terror organization is a ticking time bomb we must defuse. Adding the best way to end Hamas, which he noted was also an American aim, would be to stand by as we push for total victory over Hamas. And I would certainly agree. This is what needs to be done. I do think behind the scenes, even though Israel is communicating that the U.S. is fully aligned, I do think behind the scenes they are pressuring Israel to get this thing over with. And they certainly don't want this dragging too far into 2024. The Israeli government has been at great pains to emphasize its gratitude to the Biden administration, aware that Biden's under intense pressure to back away. I would also add, I really think these folks in Israel know in their heart of hearts, this is a guy who really doesn't give a flip about them. And I think they are very cautious about the relationship with the United States now for this very reason. At the end of the day, I don't think they're convinced that Joe Biden has their back. That's just my perspective anyway. 
poll numbers for Biden have plummeted since the start of the war. The White House staffers are rebelling against their own boss, as are staffers in Democratic offices on Capitol Hill. Few have had enough outrage in their convictions to resign, but though they're unelected, they're trying to use public protest to encourage a change. Democrats fear young voters and Muslim and Arab American voters in key swing states like Michigan will indeed stay home next November. And that could be the end of Biden's presidency. It's political, folks. I think you know that, and I know that. Still to come in the broadcast, it's not just Israel in the midst of a war. We are under attack by proxies from Iran. We are telling you more details about this coming up in just a few minutes. Also, what's going on behind the scenes in this entire matter of war between Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Are they as unified as they would lead you to believe? And much more as we continue our Friday broadcast. It's not just Israel in the line of fire. Breitbart reports Iran backed attacks on U.S. troops in the Middle East. The total of attacks has reached nearly 100. We had someone on. I'm trying to remember. There was someone commenting about the fact that we are essentially being attacked now by Iran. That's a reality. It's not just a matter of, well, these are Iranian-backed groups. We may as well just recognize this is a frontal assault. These are acts of war from Iran directed toward the United States of America. Iran proxy group attacks on American troops stationed in Iraq and Syria have reached nearly 100 since the Israel-Hamas war started. This is according to a U.S. military official today. Number of attacks now at 97 since October 17th. At least 66 troops have been injured in these attacks, including at least 19 diagnosed with traumatic brain injuries. When are we going to recognize what's happening here and do something about it? I suspect what's happening is we still have an administration that's pandering to the Iranians and trying to come up with some sort of a nuclear deal so they can parade themselves as some great diplomatic experts, which we know they are not. Despite the Pentagon conducting five counterstrikes, three against weapons storage facilities linked to the attacks, two against perpetrators, the attacks have not stopped. Well, of course not. Is it extreme of me to say this? But there's a part of me that's saying one more attack by one of these proxy groups. And we're coming for Tehran. Is that extreme of me to say that? The uptick in attacks against U.S. forces have occurred against the backdrop of the Israeli military offensive against Palestinian terrorist organization Hamas. The Pentagon has acknowledged the attacks are conducted by groups backed by Iran and has also previously acknowledged those groups threatened the attacks in response to Israel's military response against Hamas. Pentagon officials arguing 
they do not represent a widening of the Israel-Hamas conflict and that other nations like Lebanon have not intervened in the conflict. Instead, officials have argued Iran is seeking to take advantage of the conflict to force U.S. troops out of the region, a long-stated goal. Still, the continual rise of attacks against U.S. troops have dogged the Biden administration, particularly its ability to stop them. At the same time, Iranian-backed Houthi militants have increased their attacks against commercial vessels linked to Israel in the Red Sea, which have also roped in American forces deployed on ships in the region. Is it extreme of me to call for us to address this in a more aggressive way? I really think we're playing footsie with these people. And there's really only one language they understand, and that's overwhelming force. Is that likely to happen now? I seriously doubt it. I told you about what's likely going on behind the scenes with efforts to get the Israelis to dial things back just a little bit. Well, there's apparently some serious disagreements going on between Vice President Kamala Harris and President Biden over the Israel-Hamas war. Politico reporting, Harris has been telling colleagues in the administration she wants the White House to show more concern publicly for the humanitarian damage in Gaza, where Israel is locked in that bloody and prolonged battle with Hamas. One person close to the vice president's office claimed Harris wants the U.S. to be tougher on Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. The vice president reportedly asked the U.S. government be more forceful at seeking a long-term peace and two-state solution. What a moron. I mean, is this thought to be still brilliant after the events of October 7th? Harris's press secretary, Kirsten Allen, has denied allegations of a divide in opinion between Harris and Biden over the uh, Israel-Hamas war, saying there's no daylight between the president and the vice president, nor has there been. <laughs> yeah, right. Allen is at it. Both the president and the vice president have been clear Israel has right and responsibility to defend itself. Humanitarian aid must be allowed to flow into Gaza. Innocent civilians must be protected. And the United States remains committed to a two-state solution. Allen adding, I would caution the media about citing anonymous sources in the orbit about sensitive national security conversations between the president and vice president that take place in the Oval Office. Really? Another senior official in the Biden administration told Politico the president and vice president were closely aligned in their views on the war. No one needed to be convinced of that. There were no outliers. This has been the consensus view and remains the consensus view from the president on down this person said the official also added the president and vice president have been consistent in public and private about these policy priorities a third anonymous official agreed biden and harris were united in their stance on the war this person saying from day one the president the vice president their advisors have been aligned and adamant that humanitarian aid must be provided civilians must be protected and we must remain committed to a Palestinian state. No one needs to be convinced of that. There were no outliers. 
This has been the consensus view, remains the consensus view from the president on down. Yeah, right. If you believe that, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I feel sorry for you because I do think these folks are in different places. And I suspect a lot of this is politically driven because Kamala certainly recognizes that the Democrat Party is facing some challenges here politically. Some serious political challenges from people who are not in support of this position on Israel. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. like to join the conversation 704-570-1110 704-570-1110 couple of other interesting stories in the political realm this one is quite intriguing very much so you've heard about this guy before his name is bob vanderplatz he's been on this broadcast in fact we should invite him back be very interesting to get his thoughts on the current political climate in the state of Iowa. He is a very influential person there. The Hill reporting this top evangelical leader does not believe the poll showing strong Trump support in Iowa. He says quite bluntly, I don't believe them. There's a reason I don't believe them. It does not match up to what I'm hearing on the ground. This is what Bob Vanderplatz had to say to the Washington Post. He says he's a big fan of Ann Selzer, an Iowa political pollster, but said she's gotten it wrong in the past. Now, we should tell you this is a month after he has endorsed Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida, who continues to trail the former president in both state and national polls. According to Decision Desk HQ, which has recently partnered with The Hill, the latest poll shows DeSantis earning 17% support among Iowa voters. Trump is in the lead with 54%. While Trump remains the clear frontrunner in the race for the GOP nomination, Vanderplatt says he believes his numbers are much closer to the low 40s. I don't think he's got a 30-point lead, and I think there's plenty of time to make that up. He doesn't believe there's a disconnect between evangelicals who support Trump and those who don't support the former president. He is CEO of the Iowa-based Christian group, The Family Leader. Thinks evangelical Iowa voters are supporting Trump over DeSantis because the former president is well-known and has 100% name ID. He did things they remember. So you're not going to leave him until you're sold on somebody. He added, there's part of the evangelical community, which I fully understand, that wants a disruptor. Vanderplatz told The Post that he's been a friend to Trump for 12 years. After the former president attacked him for endorsing his rival, Vanderplatz told The Blaze he's never supported Trump 
despite having voted for him in 2016 and 2020. Well, that's kind of interesting. If DeSantis doesn't win the upcoming Iowa caucuses, Vanderplatt says he needs to be a very close second because he isn't sure who else could stop Trump from securing a second White House term. Quite intriguing, the distinction there between voting for and supporting the former president. A very interesting position indeed. On the other side, there is another detractor. Just so we can keep this thing even, bring in one Cornell West. (laughs) I think this story is quite intriguing. But come on, it's also very much something that has to be considered. Cornell West said in a new interview he believes President Biden may drop out of the 2024 race in the coming months amid mounting criticism over foreign policy and the economy. By the way, Cornell West himself is running for president as an independent, telling Politico Biden, I think he's going to have an LBJ moment and pull back. Hmm. Former President Johnson announced he would not seek re-election March 31st, 1968, just months before the election, amid concerns over his health and criticism of the Vietnam War. Wes says there's a real chance Biden's campaign doesn't make it to November. I'm just saying I'm open to these possibilities, given the fluidity of the situation. He's running out of gas. West says his real race is against some Democrats who haven't declared their candidacy for the White House. Governors Gavin Newsom and Gretchen Whitmer of Michigan. Remember her? And while he said the Republican ticket appears more solid, he added, it's also possible former President Trump leaves the race if the weight becomes too heavy with the indictments and court processes. West described Trump as a Pied Piper and a fascist. Biden as a milquetoast neoliberal. He said both could lead the country down dark paths. Trump to a civil war and Biden to World War III. Wow. West added, I'm more concerned about Trump domestically and more concerned about Biden in terms of foreign policy. West, who's running his own unaffiliated independent bid after campaigns with the People's Party, the Green Party, he's gotten little support in national polling. His campaign has attracted mostly disaffected young people and progressives, getting an average of 5% support in polls that include him alongside Biden and Trump. That figure excludes other third-party candidates. He's also downplayed concerns he could actually be a spoiler to Biden's re-election. There might be slices of people. If I didn't vote for West, I would have voted for Biden. That's not to me a spoiler. If you're in a race and you make a case and they vote for you, how do you become the spoiler? By the way, West is already qualified for the ballot in Alaska and hopes to make the ballot in at least 40 states by Election Day. He faces competition from independent candidate Robert F. Kennedy, who has placed himself as the premier and anti-establishment candidate in 2024. Jill Stein is also going to return to the ballot for the Green Party. So... 
the more the merrier, especially on the liberal side. Let's have a whole bunch of these folks splinter the vote. What do you think? I think that's a great deal. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. All right, we've got to talk about the Carolina Panthers. I have two very interesting stories. This one... Raising questions about one man who may end up here as the new head coach. We're talking about Bill Belichick. Here is what's reported by SB Nation. If Belichick wants to continue coaching in the NFL, there's one team to put a pin in as a potential landing spot. The Carolina Panthers, sources close to the organization, tell SB Nation that in late November... Panthers owner David Tepper inquired about what it would take to trade for Belichick following the 2023 season. This came days after the team fired former head coach Frank Reich. It's unclear how serious these conversations became, but at least show there was a passing interest in bringing Belichick to Carolina. We also have this story, much less positive, but it certainly reflects where so many people are in regard to this team. USA Today reports if you want to go to Sunday's Carolina Panthers game against the Atlanta Falcons, you won't have a hard time getting in. If you're willing to sit in the nosebleeds, tickets on StubHub are going for prices around the teens before fees, which means you could snag a ticket to watch the 1-11 Panthers play the 6-7 and Falcons for less than $30. An absurdly low price to get into an NFL game. Even it kind of makes sense for Panthers fans to not be turning out in mass for such a bad football team that fired its head coach last month. Less than $30. Isn't this sad? Well, to talk about these issues, we have none other than Chris McClain from the Mac and Bone Show on WFNZ. Uh, first, let's talk about these cheap tickets. <laughs> Great bargain, isn't it? Everybody go out and buy some of those for your friends for the holidays. <laughs> oh, my God. Stocking have... stuffers, yes. right? Oh, stocking stuff. Your friends would no longer be your friends, I feel like, yep. if you gave them Panther tickets for the holidays. Vince, I love the way you, <laughs> I love the way you introduced me. This sounds very sad. Let's bring on Mac. I'm, <laughs> I'm like the director of sad things on the Vince Coakley Show. That is like my title. I come on and talk oh about all these sad goodness. things. But, it, you know, listen, I don't, I don't blame people. And we actually we, we were talking about this on the show earlier this morning on WFNZ, we went on some of the sites just to see, okay, what's the cheapest now? Because earlier in the week, Joe Person from The Athletic covers the Panthers. For, he found $5 for individual seats. Now, no. I, yeah, they've been as low as 5 I saw one today. At, oh, it's no. on SeatGeek.com for $11. I mean, this oh, is, I no. mean, in all seriousness, now the one thing is the weather is supposed to stink, and that's another element of this, too. The yeah, weather is going to be. Yeah, doesn't help. That's not going to help matters. But in all seriousness, like if you are, you know, if you are a family that just, hey, we can't really afford to go to games regularly, it might be an opportunity to take your kid or kids. But in terms of the normal Panther fans that are at every game, this one is an unappealing one. There is no doubt about it. And Vince, the crazy thing is, we think we're down in the dumps now and don't want to go to this game. We got two more freaking home games after this one before the season. This feels like the longest football season in the history of football, man. 
<laughs> and, and I think a lot of people just want it to be over. Yes, yes. I, you're right. We can, we do. One is watching this team, and, and it would be different if they were showing signs of improvement on the offensive side of the ball, right? That's what we're all looking for. Bryce Young, the number one overall pick. We traded so much to get him, and you tune in each week just hoping – is he going to improve? And it just honestly hasn't happened. I thought he played his best football in like a four-game stretch that included the Houston win, the only win we have this year, and that was like midseason. And honestly, I feel like there's been a regression from him in the offense since then, and that does not help Panther fans' desire to get out there and see this team. So it's, yeah, I think we just want to get to the fast-forward to the part where David Tepper goes, you know, coach-searching again. Let's, let's, let's find out who the next guy is, you know? Well, speaking of coach searching, what about Mr. Belichick? What are, what are the chances he ends up being the guy? I mean, I think there's a chance. I mean, I, you know, that report, we talked about it too on the show. It's very interesting. It's the second report, Vince, that has linked Belichick to the Panthers. So there's, there's smoke there. Um, the previous one, a couple weeks back, was a Boston Globe report where one of their longtime Boston writers, Ben Valin, was quoting sources close to Belichick saying, yeah, he'd have some interest in this Panther job. I think it kind of surprises a lot of people because I think the narrative around the NFL media nationally is, who the heck's going to want to work for David Tepper? You know, he's not patient. He doesn't give you a chance. He meddles. But um, those are two reports now, saying one saying Belichick has a little interest and one saying Tepper's, uh, you know, sniffing around. The one catch is something that was mentioned in that report that you read, the trade, the word trade. Because he is still mm-hmm. under contract after the season, if the unless unless the Patriots fire him outright, if they don't fire him outright and David Tepper wants to make an approach, then they're going to have to give up compensation, and that would probably be in the form. Usually these sort of coach trades are draft picks. And the thing about that that, I, that I'm leery of, Vince, is – the Panthers in the Bryce Young deal already traded away their first-round pick this year, their second-round pick next year still. So we're short on draft collateral. I don't know if I'm in love with that idea, especially to get a coach who honestly, since Tom Brady left, doesn't appear – it doesn't look the same when he doesn't have Tom Brady. Not too pretty, is it? No, no. He's had his problems in New England, too. Are we hearing any other names circulating in recent days since our last conversation? The Jim Harbaugh thing is interesting. I talked to you a few weeks ago about that one, you know, the coach at Michigan. Um, but there are big rumors since I last talked to you about him get, about to get a huge offer from Michigan for a contract extension. Um, so I don't know if that sounds less likely. I mean, I, I do know they talked last year. Harbaugh was interested in this job last year. And believe it or not, Tepper wasn't really that interested in him. I don't know if that would change this year. But those are the two big names. And after that, you're going to start to get down to assistants. Probably a lot of offensive coordinators currently in the game. But, I mean, we got a long way to go. They can't uh, start interviewing until January 22nd. The NFL rules say you've got to get into a couple rounds into the playoffs before you can start interviewing coaches that are with other teams. So it's going to be a while until this thing plays out. It uh, is going to be interesting to see uh, how all of this unfolds in the coming days and and, uh, hopefully uh, to a point where people would have some sense of hope that things will actually turn around for this team because I think ultimately that's what they're looking for. One more question about Belichick because I've read different things about him in terms of his leadership. Uh, How would these two get along? (laughs) David Tepper? I mean, I... Oh, my goodness. 
it, it sounds like that would be quite inflammatory. You're asking a great question. There, there, there is no doubt you're asking a great question. The thing with Belichick is he is the coach and the general manager, right, in New England, and he takes a lot of heat for his general manager skills. I'll just put it this way. He makes draft picks lately like the Panthers, and that ain't a compliment. You know, I did not mean that as a compliment. So Bill Belichick, the GM, <laughs> I think has kind of hurt Bill Belichick, the coach. My fear is twofold. One, which you said, but one is I feel like Belichick wouldn't come here without getting total say in personnel, and I'm not sure he, that is his best skill compared to his coaching ability. So I worry about that. What you said is definitely interesting. Like, would David Tepper hiring Bill Belichick, would it be made clear to Tepper, the only way you're getting me is if you put me in charge and you stay out of it. You, but, you know stay what I mean? out. So like, what, but yep. here's the thing. Can David Tepper help himself? You know what I mean? Can we picture yeah, David, if things go question. bad, can we picture Tepper staying out of it? And Tepper meddling with Frank Reich or Matt Rule's one thing. He starts meddling with a guy that people think is the greatest coach of all time. That that could get they could put peel some paint off the walls over there. So all those things are factors. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, it sounds quite entertaining. No question about that. Chris McLean, Mac and Boone Show, WFNZ. Thanks a lot for joining us. Have a great weekend, man. Um, enjoy that game. YouTube, <laughs> YouTube ends. I will be there. The director of sadness is signing off right now. All right, back to you. All right, all right. Thanks a lot. Faith Focus Friday is straight ahead on the Vince Coakley Radio Program. Stay with us. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. And welcome to hour number two of the Vince Coakley Radio Program on this Friday. Isn't it wonderful that it is Friday? How's that Christmas shopping coming along? I have to acknowledge again, I've done nothing. (laughs) Absolutely zero. And there are good reasons for that. I'm in the midst of some pretty significant things right now. Uh, It's a very, very uh, ridiculously busy time. I think I finally got around to dinner last night. And if someone did not prepare dinner last night, I probably would not. Uh, Of course, there's always fast food, but I was able to have a really good meal last night. But it was 10 o'clock. I've just been going nonstop. Um, Nonetheless, it sounds like a personal problem, right? Let's get to Faith Focus Friday. A couple of items before we delve into some of the other news of the day. A couple of Steve Crosby posts, and one of them relates to what he calls the domesticated Jesus and domesticated Christians. Jesus' parables no longer challenge Christians. We have domesticated them beyond recognition. Ooh. His parables don't challenge us. We've domesticated them. That's a quote from M. Hardin. Steve shares two ancillary thoughts. One, he says these parables especially are a problem for us, especially concerning money. The mental gymnastics Westerners come up with to excuse themselves are very creative. He's talking about us being a people who are givers. 
Now, I, you know, I'm not trying to start anything. I'm just being real. I do not believe in the Old Testament concept of tithing. I do not. But I believe that Christians who are in a... <laughs> oh my gosh. I do believe that one of the things associated with being a Christ follower is being a giver. And I think in many cases that may mean beyond 10%. The truth of the matter is it all belongs to him. All of it does. And I believe Christians should be the most generous people on the planet. Very much believe that. So I agree with this thought from Steve Crosby. We come up with all kinds of mental gymnastics to excuse ourselves to not give. Two, had a conversation with a leader of a fundamentalist church who tried to convince me that none of Jesus' ethical teachings, beatitudes, parables, apply to believers today. <laughs> what in the world? According to him, they were in Jesus' day and will be in the millennium for the Jews only because those teachings were pre-cross Pentecost. Therefore, they don't apply the new creation. This guy also said accepting Jesus as Lord was an optional second decision. <laughs> My goodness, really? How convenient is this dispensational rubbish? We get to believe in Jesus, go to heaven when we die, and not follow a thing he taught or reflect the life he lived. <laughs> Somebody should have let Paul know so he could scrub, copy, imitate me as I imitate the Lord out of his letter to Corinth. Poor guy just didn't know better, did he? <laughs> I love Steve's sarcasm. You can probably pick up on that. Another interesting thought, this one more sober, and I can completely relate to this. I don't know about you, but I have seen so much death lately. And it so disturbs me, especially when it's people my age and younger people. I can certainly identify with dealing with loss in so many ways, far beyond what you may be aware of. I mentioned the loss of my dad back in 2019. I've got a good friend who uh, pretty much mirrors that journey. Also lost a father in the same year. And... There are other types of loss that are very much like death. I can relate to those, too. Steve posted this today. Some sad hometown news today. A bright, delightful, decent 17-year-old girl from my high school was killed in a car crash. Of course, we hope the family receives much love and empathy. We should reflect. Death doesn't ask our permission to enter our lives. It doesn't ask for an appointment on our calendar. We live in a death denial, youth fixated culture. Oh my goodness, that's true. We're uncomfortable even talking about everyone's ultimate reality. The grave equalizes us all. Live every day like it's your last. 
Oh, the stupid, 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 trivial stuff we fight over, argue about, and get nasty about. Even significance in so-called Christian ministry. What a con. Love the person in front of you well in the moment. That's Christian ministry. It might be their last. Might be your last. Leave deposits of love everywhere you go. Virally infect the world with micro moments of kindness and love, expecting nothing in return. May love for God, one another, and all humanity be in our hearts and on our lips when the time for our last breath comes. Isn't this an awesome post? And I, believe me, this is more meaningful to me now than ever. This is in my heart. This drives me every single day. Living in that reality. And I try to transcend triviality, silliness, vapidity, all of these things. And love. This is a world that desperately needs it. Back on the Vince Coakley Radio Program, 1121. So good to hear from my friend Marcel. Hello, my friend. It's been a while since I've been able to listen to your program. I'm listening now. And what you just read was profound and powerful. I appreciate you. Glad to hear it. And it's so good to reconnect with Marcel. I'm not talked with him in quite a while so thanks very much glad you were able to listen i know you are a busy busy person like so many of us let's go out to the sprawling metropolis that is gaston county and tom good morning welcome tom good morning vincent and thank you for allowing me to come on your show for a second uh with all this uh killing and violence going on with um, the youth and old people too have a little piece i'd like to read to you if you don't mind it won't take about 30 seconds not at all go right ahead thank you it's called jesus wept it says if my heart was a river and my eyes a fountain of tears i would cry both night and day until you came running back to me i died upon the cross i endured heartache and pain still you won't look up and live that's why my tears fall down like rain Violence is rampant in the street. There's drug dealing every day. Man's inhuman to man. We know that's not God's holy way. I wish you would turn back to me. Then we'd have a brand new start. Oh, when I think of you, the tears really flow from my heart. Church, you've got the church, you've forsaken my law. You won't walk in my way. When I speak, you don't listen. My voice you will not obey. Church, you've got to shine the light. You've got to witness every day. You've got to tell all mankind that Jesus has a better way. Someday you will be holy. You won't be so timid and coy. 
then we will cry together, only they will be tears of joy. Thank you, Vince. Mm. Tom, that is really powerful. Where did you get this, by the way? Uh, God has given me a kind of, and I'm not bragging, a creative mind. To, mm-hmm. When I read stuff, that comes from, you remember Jeremiah, he uh, said, if my heart was a fountain, I would cry. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. God inspired me to take the rest, and uh, we've got to shine the light. You're a Christian, I'm a Christian, and I think we can make a change. Thank you, Vince. Tom, don't go anywhere. I would like you to hold on a moment to get some information from you, uh, just to interact further at some point. Uh, Wasn't that awesome, what he shared? And this, you know, if you get nothing else from this program, And this ties in with what Steve was talking about, about expressing the heart of God and the love of God in real time today with the people in front of you. Uh, This is increasingly where I've been at this place and very much just um, finding myself more sensitized to his heart in this way. It's so easy to get roped into the negativity and the the sparring and all the conflict and that sort of thing and yet um you know really where it's at is identifying with the broken-hearted jesus and the people who are on his heart Yeah. One of those things you have to take a little breath and digest a little bit before just moving on. You know, this, folks, this thing about love is, it's really, that's really where all the cards are. They really are. All this stuff is ultimately the things that we are so tempted to run after ultimately meaningless what is what's the value going to be on that day when you and I check out what is all that going to add up to one big goose egg prominence money status possessions but I can tell you especially as I get older, the things that I find that inspire me and cause me to feel um, well, it's the richness of love. That's what it is. And when that is flowing, I consider myself to be a very rich man. But I will tell you that my appreciation for those things has... Uh, I think it's grown as I have shed a lot of things. I think it was years ago. I can't remember who said this first, but it's not original to me. But one person commented that if you're growing in Christ, you're going to have a whole lot of funerals. And it's not talking about people dying so much, but it's really talking about you dying to certain things. They're a value 
essentially becoming devalued. And as that happens, you begin to have a greater appreciation for what is real, what is substantive. So that's my experience anyway. And I treasure those vessels of love even more now than ever before. And my heartbeat is to see reconciliation and closeness and relationship. That's, that's really what, what my heart is about. So, any case... Love to get your thoughts as we continue the broadcast, 704-570-1110, especially during this holiday season. You know, it's supposed to be a very special time of year, and for many folks, it's not so much. Something else to keep in mind. How can I brighten this season for someone else? Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Back on the Vince Coakley Radio Program... 36 minutes after the hour of 11 o'clock. Some interesting news going on. I mentioned earlier in the broadcast, what did we start off talking about? About retail sales coming back. Another positive story. Gas prices. Gas prices could be heading down significantly. One of the things I want to say before I even share the story, I want to repeat something I've said Time and time again. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter who's in the White House. One of the beauties of this country that I live in is America works. Period. America works. You can have absolute nitwits who are running the country. And I've seen it time and time again. This is a country that will fight back. Because ultimately, America works. The ideas of capitalism, free enterprise, hard work, ingenuity, these things somehow manage to burst through even when you have absolute jackasses in the White House and in Congress and everywhere else. The spirit of America and Americans, it breaks through. It transcends even the dumbest of policies. Here's what's going on according to Axios. $3 a gallon gasoline is in sight amid record U.S. oil production. The first time since May 2021. Gas prices could fall below $3 a gallon. Why does it matter? Prices of the pump can dictate drivers' budgets. It impacts consumer sentiment. Doesn't this have a big impact on how you view your pocketbook from day to day? When you go to that gasoline pump, and I, I think, for instance, of filling up my little car, for instance, and how it used to cost like $30. 
then it got up to 50. You know, that that impacts what you're thinking about the money that you have, the money you're spending. Same thing when you go to the grocery store. I was thinking this the other day. I went to the grocery store. I got a bunch of junk. And, and by junk, I'm not talking about junk food. I'm talking about just products of things that I needed. I spent like $60, $70. Like, what do I have? So gas prices, it affects the way you view the economy overall. The national average price of gas, 307 as of this afternoon, marking its lowest point in 2023, according to Gas Buddy. Patrick DeHaan, head of petroleum analysis for Gas Buddy, tells Axios, we are now within a couple of cents of falling to the lowest level since 2021. That's pretty awesome. Myriad factors led to lower prices in recent weeks. Concerns about China's economy, record U.S. oil production, and traditional seasonal patterns. This is a reversal from the high heights of 2022 when the Russian invasion of Ukraine led to a boom in oil prices. The decline in gas prices is a significant factor in the broader decline in inflation. Consumer prices increased modestly from October to November, but the falling price of gasoline helped keep overall inflation in check. Gas prices down 8.9% year over year, down 6% compared with October. The average price of a gallon of regular unleaded gas is now below $3 in 29 states, according to Gas Buddy. I think it was below 3 when I was in Kentucky a couple of weeks ago. When factoring in inflation, the price of gas is about where it was at this point in 2017. More affordable gas may also be putting pressure on the sales of electric vehicles. Ford said this week it's cutting 2024 production of its F-150 Lightning pickup in half. DeHaan adds prices could drop below the symbolic $3 threshold by Christmas. But don't expect much more than that. Let's not get too excited. We traditionally bottom out between Thanksgiving and Christmas. But I am excited by the increased production, by the lower prices, and whatever the situation is for me, I know there are people who have much greater challenges financially than myself, and I know this margin, it makes all the difference in the world for some people. I mean, this is, this is something that makes a difference in how some people eat. It really is that serious for some folks. So I absolutely recognize that. Love to get your thoughts on the gasoline prices, the holiday season, your expectations in the coming days and weeks. I was curious. I asked earlier about your holiday shopping. I don't have a single person calling to confess how horrible you are because you've not done any Christmas shopping yet. Just kidding. Events. I did get a call from Bill, uh, who was talking about gas when you were on that subject, and said that they are selling gas for two fifty-eight a gallon in York County in Bowling Green, South Carolina, right off three twenty. Really? Yeah, two fifty-eight. Wow. Yeah, that is a great price. Two fifty-eight. Yep. Yep. That is absolutely awesome. Just wanted to hop so, in and let the listeners know that. So. 
I have a feeling there are going to be people who are not too far from there that will venture down to fill up the tank. And that's a great idea. Brilliant idea. And if you're aware of other situations like that along the way, hey, spread the word and spread the love, right? Final stretch of the Vince Coakley radio program on this Friday. Let's go out to a call here in Charlotte. Here's Robert. Good morning, Robert. Hey, Vince. Uh, how you doing? All right, sir. Good, good. Um, I've got a friend in low country, South Carolina, and he likes to rub my nose in the fact that uh, <laughs> he's uh, paying two sixty nine a gallon right now, I think. Wow, That's very nice. Corner store but it's cheaper elsewhere. And here's my take on um, that thing. Uh, um, South Carolina has like, or North Carolina has a 25 cent more uh, tax. Gasoline tax, yes. And um, somebody might correct me on that uh, exactly, but there's that. And if you're in Charlotte or close by, you know, you drive six, seven, eight miles to Rock Hill or Fort Mill, and you, depending on what you drive, you know, can reap that benefit yep. for gas, among other things. But here's what I see is when you have these big election cycles uh, coming up, and then the, the market starts getting manipulated or something maybe that... So whoever can beat their chest and say, look what we're doing for y'all and <laughs> exactly. blah, 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 and, you know, just. Aren't we wonderful? Sell somebody a, sell somebody a load of that. And <laughs> it's going to be interesting to watch with uh, what's going on in the Middle East and the Persian Gulf. Otherwise, if we decide to blow up Iran or, you know, so. It's going to be interesting to watch what's it, happening. It but. will be, because that would certainly have uh, quite an impact on gasoline prices. Uh, very much appreciate your call there, Robert. Let's quickly run over to Stan in one of those towns where a lot of people drive to to get cheaper gasoline. Fort Mill. Good morning, Stan. Well, hi, Vince. How are you? All right, sir. Uh, that's great. You know, I want to talk to you about gas prices. I just uh, had, had a reason to go over to uh, Lake Wiley area. And if you uh, go across the Muscle Point Bridge, I just paid two fifty five to fill my tank up. Oh, nice! That's a very nice so price. It's always cheaper just across the bridge. That's the cheapest place, cheapest I found in the area. And I, I was going to talk with you about. Uh, uh, so the price is coming down. What do you think? Do you think the market is having more of an effect? Or do you think this absolutely? Abs. I do think it's the market. I. I don't think uh, these politicians even know anything about how this stuff works. And in many cases, they couldn't do a thing about it if they uh, if they wanted to. I think it's just market forces. Supply makes all the difference in the world. All the difference in the world, Stan. So, uh, well, you know, well, you know, one of the things about that I've heard about cars recently is the market is speaking. They were having this move to try to get us to go electric. Uh, but people are actually the, the vehicles that are jumping in and in, in, in popularity the most are the hybrid vehicles because you're getting the best of both worlds. Exactly. You charge the car while you're driving it in the city, you get the good mileage there, and then when you take a trip, you can fill it up using gas on the road. 
So the market is speaking, and the car companies are changing the way they even produce cars because we're telling them what we want. You're absolutely right. Um, hey, appreciate your call there, Stan. And you noticed we mentioned that um, the demand for some of these cars uh, that are entirely electric is dropped off. You heard what's happened with Ford. They decided to pull back on this F-150 thing. Well, we're not going to produce as many of those. See, the market is responding. They're, I think a lot of these goals are being set by these globalists. They're like, oh, let's try to reach this level by 2024. And then they realize people don't want this crap yet, at least in the in the um, amounts, the number of people, the level of interest is not there. So the market speaks, and no matter how important these big companies think they are, they're going to have to adjust their expectations and bring those to a place of reality. Time for us to take a look at the day in history. How are you doing today, Bernie? I'm great, Vince. It's Friday, man. Can't complain. Amen I've been here since 3.30 this morning, so I'm just, I'm terrific. Well, glad to hear it. <laughs> 1791 is the year, and Congress ratified this. These are the first few items in our Constitution. What are they called? Would this be the Bill of Rights? The Bill of Rights oh, is right. absolutely on the money. 1854. Get a load of this. The first practical street sweeping machine hit Philadelphia. Oh. 1854. Trash there. trash there, Vince. Oh, you can say that again. <laughs> 1933. This came to an end, and you might say, I'll drink to that. Oh, Prohibition. What was it? Prohibition, 1933. Yeah. 1964. This nation to our north adopted the maple leaf as its national symbol. Uh, would that be Canada, eh? Canada, eh? <laughs> That's good. I'm impressed. <laughs> 1978. Boy, this was a boneheaded decision. The uh, This president announced the U.S. was going to recognize communist China and dump Taiwan. Really courageous move there. Which president did that? 1978. 78. Um, Reagan was until 80, was he? You are correct. 81, oh, actually. 81. Um Gosh, who? I can't remember, Vince. Who you is, just think of the worst president is this Nixon? in history. This is Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Car- oh, Jimmy. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Jimmy Carter. Jimmy. 1995. EU leaders agree on what to call the new currency. The euro was born. 2001. This is known by its position. It actually is not straight. There's your hint. It reopened after 12 years of stabilization. I guess they were concerned this was going to fall over. I believe it's in Italy. Oh, uh, the Leaning this? Tower of Pisa. You are absolutely that correct. Took me a se- it took me a second. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And 2011, the U.S. declares an end to the war in Iraq. Thank goodness that came to an end. Let's go to a bizarre story about a huge travel mess. Delta Flight 135, Amsterdam. It was leaving Amsterdam on the way somewhere else, but it didn't arrive at its destination in Detroit. Quite on the timetable people were expecting. Get a load of this. 270 people aboard. It was diverted to a remote Canadian town for nearly 24 hours. 
They had a mechanical issue with the plane, according to the airline. It was the plane's de-icing equipment. Don't want to play around with that. So it was diverted to Goose Bay Airport in the Canadian province of Newfoundland and Labrador on Sunday. The airport's located in the remote town of Happy Valley, Goose Bay, with a population of 8,000. According to Delta, crew duty times were impacted due to weather and runway conditions that caused the airport to suspend operations. So the airline sent a rescue aircraft, but guess what happened there? The crew of that plane timed out. So Delta sent another flight to pick up the passengers. That flight not scheduled to depart Goose Bay until Monday afternoon. So they provided food and accommodation for the customers, and the passengers stayed in military barracks overnight. How was that for a change of plans? Delta, very apologetic for the inconvenience, and the FAA is going to investigate this cluster of a situation. So whenever you have a delay or something of that sort, just keep in mind it could have been worse. You could have been diverted somewhere and stay on a military base overnight. <laughs> what a crazy story. That's all the time we have. Thanks a lot for joining us. Have yourselves a great and restful weekend. God bless you. Adios. Adios.